Welcome to the Just Fly Performance Podcast, episode 56. Today on the show, I have Jeff Moyer, owner at Dynamic Correspondence Sports Training. Today's episode is brought to you by Simply Faster. Simply Faster is an online athletic performance technology shop distributing items such as the free lap timing system, Gym Aware, K-Box, 1080 Sprint, and the Speed Mat. I've gotten many of these items from Simply Faster and can confidently say that they make today's best training technology available to everybody. The free lap timing system has revolutionized both my practices and my athlete assessments, allowing me to look at the 10 meter fly capability of dozens of athletes in a matter of seconds. It is wireless, compact, portable, and incredibly versatile. The K-Box and 1080 Sprint are fantastic tools for any coach looking to build speed, agility, and implement training scenarios that go beyond the traditional weight room. The 1080 Sprint is being used by great coaches training some of the fastest sprinters in the world, and it truly represents high-performance speed training. I can personally attest that Simply Faster's customer service is second to none. Christopher at Simply Faster responds quickly to queries, and anyone who makes a purchase from Simply Faster is in good hands. If you want to acquire some of the best high-tech training equipment available, stop by simplyfaster.com. That's simply with an I, faster.com. They are the future of coaching technology. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Just Fly Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Joel Smith, and we are on episode 56. We are bringing back uh, one of the uh, amazing and incredible guests we've had earlier in the lineup, and that is Jeff Moyer. Uh, Jeff was a really popular episode back, I think, episode 13, uh, and laid down some great knowledge on things like the, mi- the minimal effective dose and kind of hand-in-hand with the 1x20 method, which most of you who are familiar with the website Just Fly Sports, as well as some of the stuff that uh, Jay DeMeo is doing with Central Virginia Sports Performance or, or Dr. Michael Yeses are familiar with that 1x20 and, and the results it is getting uh, with a lot of athletes. And then we also chatted about things like special strength or speed and vision training, I wanted to bring Jeff back. Uh, I mean, really, there's a lot we could talk about. Uh, the recurring, uh, the recurring theme on this podcast is usually speed development, some capacity, speed, vertical jump, getting athletes stronger, more powerful, more explosive. You know, the stuff that strength coaches tend to do or track coaches tend to do. Uh, but since uh, Jeff's first appearance on the episode, uh, episode 13, some time ago, uh, we've had a lot of chats and a lot of really good, just really practical. Uh, what what did you do? What were your results? What are the actual biomechanics and technical implications of this movement? Uh, type conversations, and it's been uh, it's really been uh, educational for me. And I wanted to bring some of that uh, what I've been learning from Jeff since episode thirteen uh, back on the podcast, and uh, I wanted to do it in context specifically for this episode of uh, speed training. Uh, Jeff's process so especially with dosages and dosages in like speed training and it's less than you might think um, for some reason we tend to be in this uh, training society of uh, more is better the grind hashtag the grind as if like and it's funny because as if like just doing a 60 minute weightlifting workout is the grind I mean go try running like an ultra marathon which I would never do by the way but <laughs> there's a lot harder stuff than than getting up and lifting for an hour and calling it the grind. Um, okay, I'm done with that. Uh, anyways, uh, Jeff is just really good stuff. Uh, with also, he's going to talk a little bit about his insight in special strength training. We're going to talk a lot about like 
the hip flexors and their role in speed. We're going to talk a lot about heel striking, loading up an athlete, taking the brakes off. Really great topics. This podcast really gets rolling around minute 15, and, and Jeff just lays it down with a bunch of really great knowledge in and practical results-based knowledge in the world of athletic performance. Happy to have him back. Let's get on to episode 56 of the Just Fly Performance Podcast. All right, Jeff. Hey, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you for being back again. Appreciate it, man. Hey, man. Thanks. I'm honored to uh, be back and be part of the Two Timers Club here and uh, just hope to give some good practical information for uh, people out there. Awesome. Yeah, well, it's, uh, I've, I've really enjoyed our conversations we've had kind of in the middle between episode one and two. I don't, shoot, I don't even know if we really talked before then. It's, it's good to you know, always you know, talk and chat about all the, the trends in the field. And so I'm excited to talk about some of that stuff we'll, or revisit some of those things with you today. Yeah, man, no, uh, I love our conversations because uh, it, it's, it's good to, I, I love talking shop. I usually have to deal with uh, parents and athletes and it's nice to talk to people smarter than me and get their views on things so it's good yeah let's uh so yeah let's dive right into this and and i know one of the things I always i'm just so intrigued with what you're doing is just stuff on speed i mean that's what everyone wants to talk about right but it's obviously always important yeah. so uh let's uh so if you could give maybe like the five minute version or less of your approach or philosophy just generally speed training young athletes middle school high school you know a lot of the population yeah. you get uh, what's some general guidelines for what you're looking for with getting those athletes faster um for, I mean, where I start is with the mechanics. Um, I, I want to see how the car's running before I know what kind of, you know, what I got to do to the engine or to the wheels or to the, to the, you know, uh, to everything else. So I want to see how my athletes are running. Um, so we do a video analysis uh, of that. We break it down and we kind of work backwards from there. Um, see whether it's a, and try to figure out whether some of the issues are a, a physical issue, whether it's a uh, motor control issue, um, whether there's some certain restraints on it and, and we kind of piece things together from there um you know most of my uh athletes are team sport well the majority of them are team sport athletes i don't work with any just track and field athletes i, I work with a lot of soccer players a lot of tennis athletes football players basketball players hockey players um so i don't i don't get any just linear speed uh track athletes which would be fun to just just solely work on that but um yeah, so generally, in my opinion, the team sport athletes are just terrible runners, and there's common things that I, I've seen throughout the years um, that we kind of, uh, you know, I already kind of have a idea of when I go into it with, with an athlete, and then uh, um, then we just go, again, work backwards, find out the athlete's history, hist uh, history of injuries, because, you know, the biggest predictor for future injuries, previous injury, um, and training age, and, and stuff like that. And then from there, um, where we are in the training process, um, you know, and then the programs kind of develop from there. So I've had some football players where they've come in six weeks before camp and say, you know, I need to get my 40 time down. Um, and so that might be a little different than a soccer player that I get in December that uh, sign ups for a year with me. And I, I have them all the way till, you know, camp starts in August. Um, you know, so, so it, 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 it kind of just depends as far as the layout goes and what we do. Um, you know, I can give you some examples of what we do, what I've done, uh, with that. But, uh, from there I, I'm in, I guess my philosophy with, with that is I'm a, uh, I'm going to make up a couple words here. I'm a, I'm a resultist. Um, if that's such a thing, I, I, I'm just looking for 
the best results and I'm a, I'm a, uh, an efficientist. Uh, what's the most efficient way to get those? Um, that, that's really all I give a, a crap about. Um, and then as I get to work with the athlete, I try to learn um, as best I can, kind of bond or chuck-ish, to uh, see how they respond, how they adapt, what type of athlete they are, um, and, and learn from there. And then we either add to it or take things away or back off or step on the gas a little bit, just depending on how, how progress is going. Um, so, yeah, it's just kind of – I try to keep it as individualized as I can based off of the athlete and the situation. Yeah, man. I like how you said you're a result resultist. <laughs> uh, and I'll, I'll have a few follow-up questions based off what you just mentioned. Uh, you uh, you yeah. get good results, though. I, and I don't want to get too much farther before, and like we talk about all the time, you can talk all the, about all the theory you want, but at the end of the day, how good were the athletes when you got them and how did they do and what were the results? And I mean, what are some, what are the, some of the results you want to maybe, if you want to share yeah. maybe a few, the recent that uh, are of note, uh, if you want to sure. key us in. Yeah, I... Uh... Um, I, yeah, I, I'm not a scientist, man. I, I'm a practitioner and I follow the results, man. I mean, that's kind of the holy grail in our industry, generally speed development. So I'm, I'm following that and what uh, gets the most efficient way to get the highest results with that. And, uh, you know, I've worked individual, I worked uh, team settings, uh, high school football, work with uh, high school soccer. Uh, I've worked with tennis. Um, I mean, the, the biggest results, I, I always tell my clients, I care about uh, four things, uh, getting scholarships, winning championships, uh, uh, getting paid professionally and winning medals. Those are really the four results I'm chasing. Everything else is just nice, but those are really the four things I give a shit about. Um, so, so other than that, you know, the other results are nice, but, um, yeah, as far as speed goes, um, you know, generally we test in a uh, in a 10 yard and 30 yard manner i only have you know i have a parking lot in the back of my facility that we that we time in so we generally just look at those uh you know i have a free lap system so we tend to get 10 20 30 yard sprints uh and stuff like that but with the high school football team i worked with in upstate new york for two seasons uh on average both seasons was pretty uh was about four tenths of a second off the uh, team in both years but more importantly they went uh 19 and one in those two, two seasons, um, you know, since I've came here, uh, I've been part of a, uh, state championship soccer team. I've been part of a, uh, uh, uh championship tennis team. Um, and I've had athletes become player of the years in, in Pennsylvania. Um, so yeah, uh, those, those are the results I, I really kind of give a shit about. Um, as far as speed numbers go, since we're speaking of speed, um, I mean, I can say, it just depends on the time frame, but like, you know, I, I've had athletes, I, you know, I've, I've been blessed to have good athletes and, and things like that, that, that follow what we do. Um, you know, so I've had athletes in six weeks take close to four tenths off a second in, uh, um, in their forties and stuff like that. Um, you know, I've had a kid put on 18 inches in his broad jump in like six weeks, um, which is pretty crazy. Um, yeah. Nice, man. But other yeah, I mean, but the, I mean, then there's other things that I consider results are I've had athletes who've had patella tendonitis that we've got rid of and have been pain free and continue to be pain free. Those are things I like. Um, you know, um, I've had athletes that have gone to doctors and physical terrorists and chiropractors, and you know, uh, nothing seemed to work. And, and by the grace of God, we've we've find solutions. Uh, to me, a lot of them stem mechanically speaking, and that's something I know 
um, not a lot of people look at first uh, as far as physical therapists and, and chiropractors, you know, because they might get them fixed in the uh, in the uh, clinic, but then all of a sudden they get back in the field, and they repeat those shitty motor patterns, and that's where you know that's where they're going to get hurt again. So um, doing a lot of stuff with uh, uh, fixing biomechanics is is where we've had uh, a lot of good results. You're listening to the Just Fly Performance Podcast, brought to you by Simply Faster. Yeah, that's where it's at, uh, and yeah, I just love hearing about like the results, and I feel like that always that uh, that clues people in really well to the the effectiveness of what you're doing. And one of the things I think that you do really well, at least uh, from what I've I've uh, picked up from our conversations, that I think is um, a rarity, but it's but it's awesome, is uh, the the you know the minimal effective dose obviously very common to say this and we think about it in terms of lifting a lot but uh and maybe you could chat a little bit about um how do you approach it in lifting and then as well as like special exercises like i would imagine someone might be tempted to say hey this is a cool special exercise for speed let's do (laughs) let's do 10 minutes of it or or let's do you know because if a little bit is good more is better and I like, um, I think it was a Z health, uh, and, and everyone kind of says this, but exercise is a drug or, and there's that li- that point that people start to drop off after. And can you just chat a little bit about maybe some practical examples too, about yeah. how you're doing that? Well, f- for me, I'm always, I'm always looking at what are we trying to measure and get better at that? That's all I give a shit, you know, uh, the, the KPIs, key performance indicators, what are those? And that's, that's what I'm using to judge progress, whether to go, again add more to what we're doing or take things back um you know so that's again that's what i'm always going for so if speed is what we're we're measuring right now it's it's july we're we're getting ready we got what six weeks before high school camp starts for football and soccer we're measuring speed um that's it um so if those are if as long as those are improving i don't give two shits about much else uh as far as squat numbers and verticals and broad jumps those are nice those are nice. Don't get me wrong, but the, the, what I'm really chasing are those KPIs, those things we're really trying to prove. And so though, that's regardless of what stage we're in, we always have KPIs that we're trying to monitor um, and improve. And and so I'm always that. So if an athlete's like today, I, I was talking with a soccer athlete, and she wanted to do more. And I said, "Hun, correct me if I'm wrong, um, but has your she's right now she's doing sled sprints." on one day and some flying tens on another have you not decreased your time significantly in those and she's been doing both for about maybe four weeks and she's taken off in her flying ten already about uh, uh almost two tenths and in uh her sled sprint she's taken off almost four tenths um and she goes yes i said well that's all i give a shit about why would we do more and muck that up like you know what i mean if you want more let's let's do some biceps Let's do some triceps. I'll give you some planks. You know what I mean? Like things that don't necessarily matter are going to kill you. Um, you know what I mean? But like, why, why, why do more? Um, you know, more, more doesn't equal better. Better equals better. That's, and, and that's what I'm always chasing. So, you know, we kind of have, I kind of have a checklist in my head. If things aren't going in the way, uh, in, in the way of improving those KPIs that we want, then I, I first ask, are we doing too much? That's the first thing. I look at, are we doing too much? So I'll sit back and reevaluate. And there might be some things I'll take out or add in um, and kind of judge that based off the athlete and how they respond uh, as far as an adapter, um, you know, because athletes adapt differently. Or then the next step is I'll look at what are they doing outside of here? Are they doing too much? 
um, whether it be soccer, whether it be school, whether it be or practice, sorry, not just soccer, but practice, whether it be staying up two nights, uh, you know, too late and stuff like that. And, uh, um, just partying and burning the candle both ends, you know, um, and then are, are there things we need to change, you know, has it just kind of run its course? You know what I mean? Uh, is there's just stuff we need to change. So it's kind of like this checklist I'm constantly going through. But the first question I always ask is, are we doing too much? Um, it, it, and once, and, and I, I swear, once once you've seen how little you can do and get away with it, um, it everything else is just too much. Like So right now I'm working with a girls' soccer program. Uh, and in eight weeks, no, six weeks, sorry, six weeks we retested their 10-yard and 30-yard in a hallway right next to the gym because that's all we've had. And we used the the free lap. We've taken two tenths off of their ten yard and close to four tenths off of their thirty yard, in just six weeks. And literally, what they do, Joel, is we we one set of squats, one set of calf raises, one set of GHRs. Uh, we do knee drive, hip abduction, adduction, knee extension, um, reverse trunk twists, reverse crunches, and like some rows. And that's it, dude. That's it. Like we don't do speed work. We don't do, we might, we do technical drills. We'll do some wicket, you know, wicket, mini, mini hurdle runs. We work on the cutting. I mean, I do, a, I spend a lot of time working on their change of direction stuff, but that's really it. Um, and so far we're having a pretty good um, off season. I was just talking to the coach the other day, as far as I wish I took numbers on injury rates. Cause when we took over the team, cause we're a new coaching staff coming in, um, man, how many number athletes had boo-boos and the girls complaining of shins and ankles and hamstrings and this and that. Now we're healthy and the coach is really impressed with what we're doing. And as far as conditioning goes, all I've been having them do is run one mile. That's it. And coach is happy. She has them doing Manchester's and things like that. And they're, they're, she's really impressed with how well they're doing it. All we're doing is running one mile twice a week, maybe not even that. That's it. Um, you know, so things are going in the way we want. Why, you know, why add more to that if that could muck it up? Um, I mean, and I'm a bit superstitious, so I don't want to change anything if it's if it's working. I want to try to milk the cow for as much as I can before moving on. So, yeah, I, I yeah. like. Uh, I'm glad you brought the mile run. Even I feel like yeah, even in the endurance world, the aerobic world, which the pendulum is swinging back there uh, again now, and and how you might not need to go, you know go ham on on the, the mileage of the condition to get a good effect there yeah we just run one mile as hard as you can that's all i ask it should take six minutes of your day you know what i mean that's it um that's it so we don't do much we just do that twice a week and so far we're seeing really good results we've seen girls miles times drop uh by minutes um just by doing it and stuff like that something simple like that and then some of the girls have uh inquired about a sports breather so that's something we'll also add in uh which strengthens the respiratory muscles uh and stuff but that's yeah, yeah another cool. another little tool we use so how many times uh well a couple of questions off that and i like uh yeah. and I, I, one of the things i've been thinking about a lot in the last year especially is like just progressing the intensity and the dosages and i think the the very so common mentality in the field of sports performance and uh scholastic strength and conditioning colleges you know, the athletes come back and you're going to get them, you know, you're going to hit them with this work capacity wave. And, but these, these low entry points is what I've been thinking about, you know, that first week being let's, <laughs> I mean, it, it, there's the glory of being sore and all that, but, but making it so the adaptation is an easy transition to, to more work. And how are you progressing? How are you progressing your intensities? And then how many days a week are you like lifting that yeah. group? 
Well, so no, that's a great point. Like today, I just started working with a uh, um, a pro tennis player. It was her first day, and we hardly did anything. She just did one set of ten of like seven exercises, and I sent her on her way um, because I don't know how she's going to feel. And I don't know about you, but my athletes don't stop playing sports year round. They might just be a soccer player, but man, Pittsburgh soccer is year round sport. So I always tell. My, my athletes, I don't want to do anything that's going to inhibit your performance. So if you're on the field and you're sore as shit and you can't move because of something I did, you're probably not going to like me and come back. And I'm just a means to improve that. Um, I'm not trying to hurt that. I understand my role. You know, my job is just to get you better at that. So I try to, you know, just teach them their body and, and um, you know, let's just start with the least amount and let's, let's, let's just slowly work up. I'm always asking, how are you feeling? Were you sore? Where were you sore? Okay. Um, how'd it feel? Just always asking questions um, to my athletes as soon as they walk in the door. Um, I have a little, what, five questionnaire on their workout sheet at the bottom. They can either answer one to 10 on how they're feeling and draw an emoji. Um, you know, and that kind of lets me know, you know, how they're doing as well. Um, and we just kind of go from there. And as far as increasing intensity, um, Depends on the age of the athlete. If it's a really young athlete, I'd rather just switch exercises. You know what I mean? Just stay one by 20, but just switch the exercises around because it's just novelty of exercises. No sense of trying to rush intensity with them because you'll get an adaptation, just changing stimulus. Um, you know, like right now with the girls, that was kind of a question because I've been working with them since April. I'd just rather change the exercises because it's now starting to pick up soccer. They're going to a camp next week and they're starting to have captain's practices and stuff. And again, I, I just rather err on the side of less, um, always err on the side of less. And a lot of these girls just have never lifted before. So what's, what's the sense of improving, increasing intensity? Cause that doesn't necessarily speed up results. You know what I mean? It doesn't guarantee any of that. Um, so I'd rather just maybe change some exercises, change how we're doing things. Um, and go from there and then as far as like football players and stuff um it, it just de kind of depends on the periodization you know i've had some football players like i said uh, that come six weeks before they come so maybe the first two like i'll give you this one football player we had pretty good results with um he's at yale now um six weeks uh i had to work with him so first two weeks was just one set of 20 base you know just get him a base he was running a mile um just every other day we're working on his cutting technique. Um, the exercises we chose were based off of what we saw on his mechanics and where we thought he was deficient, where I thought he was deficient. And then the last four weeks is just specialized stuff. He was doing velocity-based squats, explosive lunges with knee drives, multiple sets of knee drives, multiple sets of pawbacks, um, GHRs, you know, a couple sets of GHRs and stuff like that. And then the speed work was on his lower body days. He was doing flying, was it flying, flying thirties. I think he was, yeah, flying thirties. And then on his upper body days, he was just doing 10 yard sled sprints. Um, and we took in his 10 yard, he went from a one, eight, one, seven, three to a one, five, eight, um, electronic time. And then his, his, uh, flying 60 went from a six, five, one to a six, oh, eight. Um, and then his 40 time went, yeah, his 40 time went like from a four, eight to like a four five. Um, so it's not bad yeah. in, in that six weeks. Um, and yeah, so that's that, but that's how he progressed. And again, it's just kind of 
I, I don't know. You give me give me an example, of, or I can give you examples of athletes and time frames. But how they progress again? It's just based really based off their KPIs and where they are and stuff like that. Um, sorry, it's kind of a boring answer. Yeah, well, the best, the best to, uh, to answer it, but I think the best sometimes the best results come from the simple things, and sometimes people want to dig too deep and do too much of the stuff they dig too deep for. Uh, yeah. You're listening to the Just Fly Performance Podcast, brought to you by Simply Faster. Uh, I was going to say, oh, go ahead, Jeff. No, I was just going to say, but again, it's just, I'm trying to find what's the least amount they're doing. Um, Like I have football players right now that are having to lift uh, with their their team and they're doing seven on sevens like every other freaking day. A quarterback, I'm working with a quarterback that came in today and, you know, how are you feeling? Okay, what you guys do? What's going on? Okay, well, maybe let's just do these three exercises and get the hell out of here. You know, that's kind of what it is. Um, And he's just doing it that where some days they didn't have, you know, they didn't have seven on sevens. They just kind of did film and walk through. Okay, well, let's go today. You know, um, you know, there's a plan A, but there's also a plan B, C, D, E, depending on um, how they're doing and stuff like that. It's a music lesson, man. Um, So that's just kind of how the way I look at it. Nice. Uh, I was going to go to... uh... So uh, outside of the lifting, you had mentioned uh, too, like the the girl who's doing the sled sprints and the fly tens. I mean, what kind of volume? What kind of? How many reps are you doing to that stuff? What's your approach there with the three, dose? Three, three to four. Three to so, four. Three to four. See ya. Three, three to four. Get out of there. If if your third one isn't better than your first two, then you're done. That's it. Um, that, that's that's really it. It's simple. Uh, it's low volume because what I'm chasing is just our improvement. Where some coaches look to chase almost capacity how many like you know um how many how many good sets can or how good reps can they get in which there's nothing wrong with that but for me i'm just looking at improvement of the numbers improvement of kpis what are we trying to improve if her 10 yard flying 10 doesn't improve then what's the sense of doing two three four more if she's still within this level you know if it's not improving we'll just cut it off and we'll just we'll move on not a big deal because she's still doing specialized stuff that can bring out that other stuff too. Um, it's just, you know, her, her best flying time today was a one, one, one. Um, her best overall was like a one Oh nine. She was, she was there. She did four, but there's days where she's ran a one, two, three. Okay. Well that's, that's a bit off and we're done. So she did like two and she, she knew to come in. She knew she just didn't have it. Um, I, that's one of the things I, I kind of pride myself on is educating my athletes to know when they have it and when they don't. Um, you know, it's, it's like poker, man. Just know when to fold house always wins, man. So don't, don't try to try, don't try to fucking beat it. Just, just fold and, and move on to the next hand. Yeah. That's something that I've, you know? that's something I've been considering as well. Like I've kind of gone through a little bit. I mean, I've been in, uh, I've known about the, you sport type stuff since I was 21 or oh God, it's been a long time. It's at least 10 years. And I've always felt like every time I really tried to chase that drop off in that system, I was beat up for a long time. Like it. Well, that yeah. It was like Sorry. like three or five percent is for me was just like an enormous amount to come back from. And I had always kind of found just doing like you know that first run you go that you didn't really improve. Like all right, that's cool. Like I almost felt like that was a little bit better uh, for me generally than. Uh, than than chasing than than keeping uh, chasing a drop off over time. Yeah, and again, there's nothing. I don't mean I'm not trying to speak ill. There's nothing wrong with that. But yeah, and well, and again, I'm looking for recovery because she's got to be able to recover to come back tomorrow 
to do, you know, her next workout and she's going to have a uh, soccer camp this week. And you know what I mean? Like there's other things that add to it. Um, you know, so if she doesn't have it. She doesn't have it. Um, like if she's not setting a PR or coming close to it, then, then that's okay. Um, there'll be other days and we'll just kind of look at it that. But if, if the KPIs aren't improving, you know, then just we'll move on. Um, and, and we'll just kind of go through my checklist, but we'll move on today. She wasn't bad. Um, uh, you know, I had an athlete, my uh, quarterback come in today. He ran a, 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 he was doing his flying tens, but he decided to time his 30 yard sprints, the 20 yards build up to it just cause he hadn't done it in a while. And his 10 yard sprint was a, a one, three, seven. And that's the fastest he's ever in uh, one, three, seven. And so he wanted to do it again. And that was already his fourth one. I said, no, man, he set the record. You're good. Let's walk away. Mm-hmm. No sense of trying to do it again. Cause you might not get it. And then you'll get frustrated. You know what I mean? When you're up, you're up, fold, and, you know, just or, or take the money and, and walk away from the table. Um, so that was it. You know, I just cut him off because he wanted to go again. He set his record. Nope, we're good. Um, no sense of trying to trying to beat your head through the wall. Let's do it again next time. You know, kind of like uh, look at it like water uh, Chinese water torture. You know, just slow drips every time, um, and it will, it will eventually keep improving. Yeah, it reminds me. I mean, you know, Tony Hollow always says it the at the track football consortium to leave your athletes wanting more. Um, I I want to say there was almost a podcast I was listening to that was almost there was almost like some brain science behind it. Like there was like this dopamine rush of wanting to do that next rep, but your coach doesn't let you. It like That's cool. you something with 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 uh, you know anticipating the next session and uh, not getting that gratification. And there's an urgency too to the reps that you do get. They're a little more precious. That's cool. I'll have, to, I'll have to look into that. Yeah, I'll see if I, I get heard of that. Yeah, if I could find it, I'll if I can track it down, I'll send it to you. And I should probably put it in Sweet. the show notes, I guess, if I can find it. <laughs> uh, yeah, those. Uh, anyways, uh, but yeah, it's like man, I I and the more like, it's almost like in a base level. I, back when I was competing in high school, I mean, I didn't really have a coach. I just kind of had to figure this stuff out as I went along, and uh, I kind of learned through. Um, the the school of hard knocks my junior year I didn't make it to the state meet and high jump because there was the process of the rounds you know you went to the regionals and districts and then state and I the regional meet that I won easily I just decided to keep taking jumps like I, I wanted to keep putting the bar up because I was feeling good and then uh, four days later I went to the uh, sectional meet the big meet and I didn't have any spring you know I had kind of yeah. I'd used it up and then the the next year I was like okay I'm not gonna do that again won the meet at a really low height five eight took one jump. And then I was it was feeling, you know, four days later, I was feeling really good. And then when you know, went to state yeah. and I was feeling really good. And it's just like the more just as just in the track and field jumps realm, I I learned that the best coaches really stay out of that. Um, there's a, like the track coaches are familiar with the one more jump mentality, like you're doing long jump. And it's like, oh, that felt good, coach. Can I just do one more? And mm-hmm. oh, that was good. Can I just do one more? And 30 minutes later, 45 minutes later, you walk off the track. Um and uh, I don't know, just the, the good coaches I've been spending time with lately, That's it's never that way. It's, okay, you're done. Nope. I want to do one more coach. Nope. Sorry. <laughs> Let's do it next time. Uh, yeah. Kind of the same thing. Yeah. You got what you achieved, what, or what we came here to do. Okay, now let's, let's move on because I want you to do it again tomorrow. I want you to be able to do it again, you know, the next workout. Um, you know, let's not just try to blow our wide here because then you're done for the rest of the week. Yeah. I liked um, this was I was just listening to a podcast yesterday. It was the Optimal Performance Podcast. It was uh, the guests were a couple of guys from, I think a, a brain brain pump. I think was the the company, and they were talking about like stress as like a sunburn. Like if you want to get a tan, you don't 
don't go out in the sun and just destroy yourself, you know, one day and then come back again the next week and do it again or two weeks later and do it again. You want to do a little bit. <laughs> you want to do a little yeah, bit every yeah. day or every few days. And it's a good analogy. I like that. Yeah, I was kind of like, oh, that's kind of cool. I, I kind of like that. It's uh, maybe think of bonder chuck training a little bit too. The the pre high frequency and you you know you'd mentioned that before and yeah. kind of got my wheels turning there too. I thought it was kind of cool. Yeah, man. Uh, so yeah. Oh, nice. Uh, well. Yeah, we took a while on that first point, but I like it. I was good things, good things, Jeff. I, I think it's a, uh, it's always, uh, it's always easier to add more, right? It's always easy to say, oh yeah, I'm just gonna yeah. put a few more reps in, and my program will be better, right? And we'll get more out of it. More doesn't equal always equal better. Better is better. And I mean, what is it? Uh, I think I've heard Louis. Was it Louis or, or no? It was, it was a buddy Morrisism, where he was what the Chinese proverb or the. The sensei would say, when you drink tea, you drink tea. When you, I drink tea, I drink tea. You know what I mean? Like, there's a difference. I try to teach that to my athletes. Like, we don't sprint a lot, but when we sprint, we sprint. When we jump, we jump. You know what I mean? It's uh, Jay DeMeo, uh, I'm going to quote him. He goes, you know, what kind of what we do is intensity, uh, simplicity of training, intensity of focus. And it's it's kind of, you know, that's the way we look at it. We don't need to do a lot, but when we do it, we do it. You're listening to the Just Fly Performance Podcast, brought to you by Simply Faster. Yeah, I think that's that's an awesome way of looking at it. I, it has so true in many many fields uh, of life and, and yeah. as well as uh, sport. Uh, so well, let me get uh, further down the list here. Let you, yeah, man. Uh, maybe we can get through half of these. That'd be pretty cool. But <laughs> either way, I'm not. I'm not intensity. Intensity of a few questions over covering a lot i think that's a, a good theme uh yeah man so uh just uh so next uh, along lines of sprinting you talk about assessing athletes um what are the main things you're looking for in sprint technique like you're looking at athlete they're coming in yeah. trying to get them faster uh what are the main things you're looking for and then what's the balance between actually going out and saying do this do this with your arms or shoulders mm-hmm. or whatever versus like special strength or just getting them stronger yeah well, the first thing I look at is, does anything look like it could lead to injury? <laughs> you know what I mean? Because there's some athletes that you just, man, they should not be running. Um, you know, they should they should just be doing equestrian um, or wrestling or something else. Um, you know, so does anything look like it should? it's going to lead to injury? Um, and then where are they trying to get their power from? You know, that's the next question. Where are they generating their power from? And I'm the school of, um, I guess you can say the school of Dr. Yesis, where he talks about, and, and he got this from Brick Chansky, who, who got this from uh, Nikolai Bernstein, how each movement, there's key force-producing actions. There's, they call them key movements, and that's where the principle of dynamic correspondence comes from to come up with exercises to improve these key movements. Um, and in every biodynamic structure, there's key movements, and... Uh, and running, um, Yesis and, and, and other uh, smart people found that there's three key movements. And uh, the, the, the ankle extension at push-off, the knee drive, and then the pullback, which if you look at everything that's kind of coming out now with uh, Franz Bosch hip lock and um, the two mass model makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, and if, uh, um, again, you go back, keep peeling it back a bit further you you look at everyone says Zatsyorsky's science of practice was one of what the, the top book or one of the top books that in super training and and maybe you know mark ripto's starting strength books those are always the three books i always see that some of the top well if you go on 
I don't know, maybe one page 143 or something like that. That's the Orsi's book, and the only reason why I know the page number is because I was just I actually just talked to Professor Zatsiorsky not that long ago about it. Um, he shows a diagram of um, he talks about biomechanics and and how strength coaches should look at accentuation, and what that is is the key uh, muscle uh, actions uh, in movements and, and where the muscles actually contract most powerfully to produce the movement. And he gives a, an example of the knee drive. Uh, well, in, in Russia, they didn't have necessarily the, the rubber tubing, so they did it on a pummel horse, but where the leg is far back and they're driving up with a kettlebell on their foot. But he, he talks about that and talks about how it's a principle of biomechanics, and that's something that's not really well known by at least that I've seen in people who've read biomechanics is this principle of accentuation, um, using exercises to accentuate key, you know, the key uh, uh, force where, where the muscles can contract most powerfully. Um, and for running with the knee drive, the psoas and the hip flexors and even the abdominals contract most powerfully behind the body to drive the thigh forward. Um, and, and that, again, kind of leads into a little bit of Franz Bosch's uh, hip lock a little bit where I, I disagree with that, but that's for another story. Um, so anyways, I'm looking at those three things, the the ankle extension, the knee drive, and the paw back, and how are they doing it, where are they doing it, stuff like that. Uh, most young athletes, I'm sure you've seen this, it, it, they either strike the ground on their heel and or they strike the ground uh, out way out in front of their hips. Um, I have never met, and I've been doing this for 10 years, I've never assessed an athlete who's complained to me of patella tendonitis that did not run on their heels, that strike the ground on their heels. I've never, I've, I've hand to God, I've never done it. Um, it's, 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 it's common. It's more common than you, than, you know, particularly young girls that I found, but, uh, more common. So trying to take the brakes off, that's kind of the analogy I give the athletes. So one way to try to get them to understand this is just stand up in front of me. Now pick up your toes. Now jump on your heels three times and tell me what that feels like. Now pick up your heels, stand on your toes, jump three times and tell me what that feels like. Yes, obviously you jumped higher, but what does it feel like? Does it feel softer? Yes, it's softer. Every time you strike the ground, you run your heels, that, that, that force that you're feeling, which is going up your bones and chattering your teeth when you do it, that's happening when you run. You just lose sensory feeling when you sprint and when you wear those shitty shoes. Um, I'm not a big fan of sports shoes. So, so that's just something I try to get my athletes to turn the wheel on why that's so bad. Um, and then we and then we kind of go from there, um, and we work backwards from there. A lot of athletes have – young athletes have crossover gait. Why that is is multiple – in my case, it's you know multiple reasons. It's never just one. It's motor control issue. Uh, it's a lack of you know uh, ability to drive the thigh forward, lack of ability to keep the thigh straight. From you know hip abductors uh, and glutes and and uh, it could be a QL issue with girls unstable hips and you know the lateral sling and all that stuff. So it it just, it just kind of works backwards from there. But when I see it, then we work on that. Um, and a lot of and I got to be honest. Then when we get into the exercises, uh, as far as splitting up time, working with young athletes, uh, I'm I'm really teaching to their tension spans. Um, so I don't have sets reps. I don't have time frames i just teach attention spans because it's it's short um so we might do two minutes running mechanics okay let's go in let's do something else okay and then maybe hey let's let's go out and do it again or baseball my baseball let's do your throwing mechanics okay let's go do a bunch of stuff and let's come back and let's do it later and stuff like that so we do 
maybe two minutes here, three minutes here, a minute here, this and that. But over time, it adds up. You know what I mean? And it's and it's higher quality. That's that's kind of really what I'm going for when we do it. So we don't do a lot of running, but when you know it, it, when you add it all up throughout maybe a workout, it might be a good amount. But it's it's really not that much. Um, and I and and what's cool with the specialized exercises um, is is especially with the younger athletes, they're used as a great motor learning um, tool. And that's something I wrote about in Jada Mayo's book last year. Um, is that they they serve as a great motor learning tool um, for sensory one to strengthen and improve the neuromuscular pathway for how it's used in sports, but two from a sensory um, feeling of what it feels like to do these actions. It it, it helps that because then I use that for a little bit of contrast learning. We might go do some wicket runs or mini hurdle runs, and then we'll come in, we'll do some knee drives, and then I'll have them go back out without the mini hurdles, and you can see that it feels easier, it feels better, it looks better and by looks i video all my athletes so i'm not one of those guys that has those special eyes i can't see shit as you see i'm wearing glasses i i i, I slow motion video everything using coaches i god bless them um so that's what i mean when it looks better i actually do that we apple i have an apple tv so i airplay it up on the tv because i want my athletes to see it when they when we, we go and run we come in and we throw it up on the tv and they watch it because i want them to see because that's again another part of the motor learning process so I want them to see what it looks like and stuff like that so they can see themselves and see what I'm talking about. And, oh, that, okay, that's what you meant. Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I, I might have jumped around your question, bud. No, nah, that's um, good. It's I went, good. Off, went, went off a bit. No, you got to reel I, me back I like in. What, I like what you said. No, let me, uh, I guess let me come back with a few points and thoughts. Uh, <laughs> okay, where do I start here? No. Uh, okay, no, Coach's Eye, I, I, I agree with that. I Ever since I got an iPad and Coach's Eye, um, that's been one of the biggest helps uh, for me. I wish oh, I would have done it years ago. And, and I mean, it's it's a little bit of investment. I got one of the nicer iPads and whatever. I mean, but I I should have done that eight years ago. And and yeah, it's it's kind of like a triad. You have the exercises, and then you have maybe the some special strength like strength behind that, and then you have the athlete actually seeing what they're supposed yeah. to do. And I've I've had athletes who you just show them, especially it's the good ones, the athletes who you know are athletes. And just show yeah. them what they're supposed to do, and they can do it. And I'm like, man, I wish I was as good as you, you know. But it's such a Bro, huge thing. I, I'm, yeah, but here's here's the funny thing, man. I have, I have, I call them my shorties. I have four little girls. Three of them are eight years old. One of them's nine or ten. And when I first worked with them, they all run on their heels. And this one girl has heel problems, and the parents um, said it's Seaver's disease, or the two girls, and they're twins, and said it's Seaver disease, and they're eight years old. So maybe it could be. I don't know. I thought Seaver's disease was a, uh, a growing pain as far as more like adolescent, like 11, 12, 13. But again, it, it, apparently it can start with eight-year-olds. But nonetheless, I went outside and they all ran on their heels. All of them did. So I brought them in and I had them do the jumps. And then I had them take off their shoes and run just to see what it feels like to run barefoot on your heels because it hurts like hell, man. Uh, and it made sense to them. And so they they immediately got it. Like, so every time we've been running, they work on it, and they send me the mother sends me pictures. So they they've been going on trips. They went to Washington D.C. and they sent me videos of them doing running mechanics stuff, just working on and going off their heels in front of the Washington Monument, in front of <laughs> you know the the Lincoln Center, and it, it's really cool. But uh, the, the the kids, the, I've had young kids, eight years old, that that get it and understand it. Um, why, why some some older athletes don't get it I, I don't know but if an eight-year-old can understand it then that's pretty cool um 
but uh, yeah. I like that point. I was actually going to, uh, that was something I was going to expand on. There's the whole, uh, the footwear thing you mentioned. So like I'm, I'm becoming more and more convinced, especially now I have my, my daughter's one and we go like pretty much our thing after work is to go to the little children's playground. Cause I live in, you know, a little apartment in Berkeley and there's not many places to go. And so we go to the playground where all the kids are hanging out. And I always watch these kids, you know, move and run around. And it's a surface where most of the kids can go barefoot and I watch these kids running barefoot, and they're like they are like vertically stacked, like those angles mm-hmm. Chris Corfus talks about with the foot and the hip. Yeah, dude. And they're stiff off the ground, and their toes are grabbing the ground. And then you got kids like four, four or five wearing these Croc shoes, and this they just look like shit. Yeah. <laughs> and and it changes everything. And you can't like you. I like the drill you had. I'm gonna start doing that, like the jump and down, up and down in your heels. Um, I just started thinking about it. Uh, there was like maybe six, eight months ago. I was walking down this big, huge hill at a park, and I'm walking down the hill, and I find that I'm naturally going to the outsides of my feet. Like I'm supinating on the way down. You load and the supination. You don't walk down the hill on your heels. That would feel like awkward and awful. But if you had someone do it, they would probably. It's like the same thing, and then your your shins would get all messed up. But I'm gonna steal that from you. I I think that's right. Well, yeah. So the the, the analogy I use is okay. I ask them. What part of your foot do you use to take off to move yourself? They usually say the front of my foot, the balls of my feet, their toes, whatever. I say, okay. And then if I ask you to run as fast as you can and try to stop immediately before you hit that wall, what part of your foot would you start, you know, would you probably use? And they said, probably my heel, maybe the inside of my foot. I said, yeah. So let's call that, if I'm the mechanic, you're the car, let's call that the gas, that's the brake. I said, ladies, and I always point back to the picture or whatever athletes and work when you're driving with your brakes on. So what would happen if mom and dad pulled up the emergency brake and tried to drive home? Car is going to go, it's going to be less fuel efficient. It's going to be, you're going to have to press harder down on the gas. Something's going to break down. If not right now, right, you know, eventually, um, you know, and, 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 you know, that's the argument I, I usually get. Well, I've been running on my heels for years and I haven't had injuries. Well, okay. Well, why, why do some cars get taken in at a thousand miles and some cars get taken in at 10,000 miles? You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's small mechanics, man. Um, you know, everything eventually breaks, but, uh, and the girls, girls picked it up man. my athletes picked that up. They, they understand that analogy. So I try to keep it simple for them now changing it and getting it to an unconscious competent level is a completely different story, but getting them to understand it. Cognition is at least the first key that I'm trying to do um from that so that's that's a big part of the running so a lot of our running programs um depending on where we are and what the issue i don't have it in me if i personally work with an athlete that runs in their heels to do running programs and sprinting to let allow them to continue running their heels i can't allow it that's just i can't do it uh i i just don't have it so everything we do is from a motor learning standpoint with that um if they don't strike the the ground on their heels then we do speed work then we'll do the flying time then we'll do the sled sprints but i do not have it in me um to do that because i don't want to see athletes all of a sudden break down get hurt get shin splints patellas hurting you know what i mean just issues bad things happen man um i i've worked with that i i've assessed athletes at an orthopedic practice that had compartment syndrome um and both assessments both girls cross-country runners and track athletes long distance had compartment syndromes in their uh and their uh, anterior tibialis, both of them were heel strikers. I don't know if you've ever seen compartment syndrome, but it's nasty. Um, and the surgery for it is disgusting. Um, I'm working with a girl now that uh, her feet go numb when she runs. Well, she runs on her heels. Again, I, I, it's, I'm, it, to me, it just adds up. I'm not, I'm not smart, but when I've seen so many things happen 
you know what I mean? Uh, it just makes sense. You're listening to the Just Fly Performance Podcast, brought to you by Simply Faster. Yeah, uh, I like... What was I going to say? I'm getting all... I'm getting... Oh, yeah. Uh, the, <laughs> I like the... Uh, yeah, just the idea of you can't... You don't want to drive your car until you take the emergency brake off. Same thing with the athlete. I think that's a really poignant yeah. and uh, a great way to look at it and then create a good visual for athletes and uh, yeah. to create that in them. I, I want to... Let's, uh, let's finish today. I just want to talk about uh, the hip flexor. You mentioned that, and I think like... I always crack up when I see these videos and be like, oh, you know, hip flexors are important. I'm training hip flexors. And then they have, they do the cable machine, but they stand with their feet together and they start, you know, they start with the, the, the cable all the way on the floor and yeah. they're just lifting their foot from the floor up and they're not starting behind them like you mentioned. Uh, can you go into it a little bit to kind of how you set that up and how you progress that type of thing? Well, well if we're looking at it. I'm going to try doing it without getting all fired up. You, you no, know you I'm can get, get this last up. question. You can get fired uh, up. Uh, all right. Well, all right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, all right. So if we're looking at it from a specificity standpoint with running as the toe at toe off, once the toe comes off the ground, that's where the, the psoas, the hip flexors and the abdominals, because the pelvis is anteriorly tilted, they drive the thigh forward, they drive the hip joint forward, they posteriorly start to uh, rotate the pelvis. Um, it's from behind the body forward. If we were to, if it was just in front, it, they once they pass under the hips, that's where it, it becomes one momentum of how powerfully they contract the body, or track, contract behind the body to drive forward. Uh, that will carry them up. It's the the momentum that's going to carry up that thigh. You don't actively drive your thighs up because you'd see athletes run like this. You'd see this and athletes and if you do see athletes that do that you can easily assess that because I, I ran track and I remember um, in college my coaches always say pick up your knees pick up your knees well you can see it particularly in girls when they're cued this because you see their ponytails start flapping up and down a lot um, that's a telltale sign but um, the more powerful the hip flexors contract and the psoas contracts behind the body the higher it's going to travel in front of the body so a lot of these drills where we're picking up the hips in front Okay, I'm just going to go into it. Uh, this hip lock drill, I don't get it. That's not the range of motion that the hips, hip flexors and the psoas and everything is used when they run. That's the end point. And I get that from a motor learning standpoint. Sometimes it's best to put athletes at the end position so they can feel it. I get that if that's where the muscle action occurs. So like for, for throwing, I'm going to go into a little baseball or golf or tennis. There's There's a sequence of actions that occur and if I'm trying to get an athlete to feel the separation between their hips and their shoulders, I'm going to put their hips forward and have them hold that so they can feel it. But from a running standpoint, because that's the range of motion those muscles work, but in running, the hip flexors contract behind the body to drive the thigh forward, not up. So if I'm doing active drills where I'm picking up my thigh, you try to run like that. I mean, you're just going to be running. Uh, I don't like those hip lock drills. I just don't understand it um, because you're just creating all vertical motion, no horizontal uh, motion, and it's not the range of motion uh, and where the muscles are used. What helps also drive the thigh forward is the abdominals. What, what, what? Because when the foot's off the ground, now what becomes the lever for the pelvis? It's, it's the abdominals. That's what tilts uh, the the pelvis posteriorly, and that's what helps drives the thigh forward. So we do a lot of reverse. Uh, crunches, which strengthen the lower abdominals to posteriorly tilt that and drive the thighs up. And that's a hell of an exercise that 
again, we don't do a lot of running, but our exercises that we do from a strength standpoint improve these abilities. So I've had coaches say, what did you do with this athlete? Their mechanics are flawless. And all we did was just the one by 20 with just a lot of exercises that strengthen specific muscles in the range of motions that they're used. That's it. We didn't do any technical running, none. Um, that's something that I'm really proud of with my girls' soccer team. We're not doing hardly anything because I just don't have time in the space. Now there's camps everywhere. But when I uh, reassessed their, their sprint times and I was watching them run, they looked awesome. Crossover gates minimized tremendously. Um, I was using my phone with the new, uh, the, my new free lap to, to Bluetooth all the times. Otherwise, I would have videoed everything. Um, I should have. I should have just had a, my, my uh, iPad. But uh, anyways, so drills that do that, it, again, I just don't understand it because that's not where the hips are used. Um, and Zatsyorsky brings it out. So anyone who doesn't believe me, which, again, question everything, man. I, I want to be questioned. Go back and, and look at the book. I mean, it's right there, um, and, and Franz Bosch even talks about it too. Uh, but I don't understand the the, the pick up the knee drills. I, I don't get it. Um, they they to me just don't transfer. I've never seen a transfer with it, and I don't understand it. And and yeah, yeah, I've always felt like any pick up the knee drills in a cyclical drill. It's more just it's more of a special strength than it is a technical drill. Like because you're not pushing right to get there. Uh, like I like that ponytail example. That's, I'd never heard that before. That's really cool. Well, that's a very easy way to tell. Um, like, I, uh, oh man, I have a great video of this girl athlete. She's a tremendous runner, naturally has a fantastic, she's a track athlete too, but she's mostly soccer is her main sport. Um, but one of her only mechanical flaws, I, I would say, where she is, is you can see she's got a lot of vertical motion. You can tell in her hips. So she's, again, trying to pick up her thighs. So right now, we're doing more knee drives and we're doing a lot more bounding where she's trying to lead with her hips and uh, lunges where we're trying to push her hips forward, front lunges where she's trying to do stuff like that. So we're trying to do specialized exercises to improve her ability to drive her hips forward, not necessarily up. Yeah, that hip drive is where it's at. Is where it's at. I, uh, I, I comes to mind to me uh, some example from the world of long jump, and I've kind of learned a little bit of this through uh, both Boo Schnecksader and then uh, uh, Darian Barr. Uh, of bar running and like just in long jump like you see this all the time in track like all you sit you sit there by the board and coaches just tell kids oh, drive your knee La quick last step drive your knee quick last step drive your knee and what happens is kids don't jump very high like they don't get up very powerfully because the drive it's it's a kick like if you want to kick a ball you have to bring your leg back behind you and yeah. then you have to yeah. bring power from there and and you start to cue kids in that manner, and that's something that Darian is really into. But like, uh, and it and it works. But if you you almost cue what happens behind, what happens in yes. front now naturally, and and it's amazing how many kids in long jump get robbed of that. Um, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's it's, but it's like it should be right in front of our eyes by actually watching athletes do it naturally. Oh, just a second. Well, got... no, I mean you make a great point. Yeah. The the range of motion that the hip flexors are used in sprinting is that of kicking too. Um, so it's a tell all my soccer athletes it's it's a dual effect it's a dual exercise um you know so that's part of the specialized exercise will do that and then as far as other exercises there's there's variation of kicking the foot out or kicking the foot down for soccer but uh yeah as far as the range of motion goes absolutely it's the same as soccer yeah yeah that's it's just this cool stuff it's cool to hear like this stuff coming from people who get it and people who uh have that like kind of deeper dive into biomechanics so uh, so well, and again, it, all that's cool. All the biomechanics is cool and shit. But if it doesn't lead results, who gives a crap? And 
I, I'm again, I, I, I can attest to my results. I know that there's a ton of other college coaches and even private coaches that, that have tremendous results using these exercises um, that can attest to it. So it's not just I'm making shit up and say, you know, follow me and trying to use some cool verbiage like, guys, it, it works. Check it out. Try it. If you have questions, contact me or, or Jada May or Matt Tomey or Ryan Bracious or Chris McCormick or Brian Matthews or any of these guys, uh, Yosef Johnson, Dr. Yesis, um, you know, I think Dustin Perry, Sean, um, uh, or Shea Thompson, uh, Dustin Perry's with the 49 or Shea Thompson's with the Bengals. Um, you know, these guys are using it, you know, it, it works. Um, yeah. Yeah. I love it, man. That's good stuff. Jeff. Yeah. All those guys, uh, legit, a uh, great source of knowledge. So, Hey man, that's all the time I got for today, but Hey, I appreciate you taking time. Uh, shoot, Friday night. What is it? Nine o'clock over there, man. And, and you got nothing better to do than talk to me. Huh? I'm just kidding. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Hey man, I appreciate it. It was an honor. Thank you. All right, that does it for another episode. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed it, please don't hesitate to leave us a review or rating on iTunes or Stitcher. We would truly appreciate it. Uh, spreading the, the work we're trying to do in the world of athletic performance and getting athletes to their highest potential. Also, please visit our sponsor, simplyfaster.com, suppliers of high-end training technology, the best stuff you're going to find in the field in terms of uh, data, analyzing the data of elite performers, uh, motivating them through like gym wear units, bar speed, tracking them through free lap timing systems. You're going to have affordable, effective force plates, force grids, uh, inertial training, 1080 sprint over speed work, resisted fine tuning, and, and pretty much anything you could imagine that is the highest end in speed training. We'd love to have them as our sponsor, and they've been, they've been good to this podcast. So please check them out. Check their blog out. They have great information, uh, simplyfaster.com. Uh, we'll see you guys again next week. Until then, have a great one, and I hope this information you found today proves uh, as useful for you as it is for me and other things I'm continually thinking about. So until then, 